West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And the brand we're featuring today, Great Lakes Credit Union, they've been leaving their audience wanting more since the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration. We're going to visit with their president and CEO, Stephen Bug, right after the break. I want to thank John Wilkening. we got a little Chicagoland vibe going on. John Wilkening joining us last week for the Bank Like a Champion show that we do every month. And we've got some great guests coming up in the month of February. As we kick off a new month of broadcasting here at Eloquent Online. And I gotta tell you a little history about my conversation with Stephen. Like like the like the relationship I have with John, it was born out of a little bit of a Socratic debate. In John's case, it was about pandemic-related stuff two years ago. And with Stephen, it had to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And to his credit, he was still willing to come on and have a conversation about it, something many of you so-called credit union leaders seem unwilling to do. Uh, Stephen was very forthcoming, very honest and candid conversation about a lot of things. And so I'm looking forward to the interview, and you're going to enjoy it. I always ask our guests about their musical preferences, and Stephen told me he loves classic rock, and he also likes what we used to call easy rock, and I love that genre of music as well, so we'll roll a little ambrosia as we head up to Lake County, and we're going to visit, not visa, we're going to visit with Stephen Bug, and we're going to do it all right after this. Conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, the PowerPoint, the bullet points, and the expense report. This is the Power Performance Podcast. hate to talk over ambrosia we gotta get going here hey steven welcome to the show thank you for joining us thanks jason appreciate being on today appreciate the opportunity first of all tell us a bit about your career your journey in banking Sure, happy to. So, Jason, I've spent the last 15 years in the credit union industry in a variety of leadership roles. Uh, Joined a credit union 15 years ago as an opportunity to do something different, Uh, and I really was drawn to the credit union movement because of the passion of the mission-based work of the credit union I was joining. And I thought, you know, this would be cool, use my past experience, do it for a couple years, right? And so here I am 15 years uh, later as a president and CEO, right? So never kind of imagined that when I uh, got back into the financial services industry. But I think important to know is I spent 22 years in a variety of leadership roles in telecommunications prior to taking the leap to the credit union movement. 
But way back when, and I don't want to date myself, but in college <laughs> and right out of college, I was in banking in your more traditional roles, and banking served a right. great purpose. I met my wife in the bank, and then we both left. Mm-hmm. Now here I am back in the credit union world. Well, that's awesome. A lot of people do start out in, in banking and they end up in credit unions. I always say that the biggest difference I see, having worked in both both parts of the banking industry, when I think of banking, I always think of a handshake, and when I think of credit unions, I always think of a hug. I don't know why. It's just there is something I don't know different about the credit union. It's not a mystique. It's a thing. And having having been to so many different credit unions and community banks, it's just a different culture. I think you would agree it, from traditional community banking and credit unions. However, however, speaking of community banks, during the most significant financial crisis in our nation's history since the Great Depression, COVID-19, community mm-hmm. banks funded 97% of those SBA PPP loans. And I have long said I thought credit unions should be more involved in um, commercial lending and SBA lending. And a lot of people pushed back on that when I said it back in the early 2010. So that's one of the things that I think credit unions should spend more time focusing on. There was a period of time last year that if you had landed here from another planet, I think some people might have thought that credit unions were in the diversity, equity, and inclusion business. It is my opinion, doesn't mean I'm right. I think credit unions are spending too much time on this. What are your thoughts? And you can tell me I'm wrong. I I think it really goes back to what that strategy is of that organization. So the way I look at DEI here is that it's always been part of our organization's DNA at Great Lakes. So we've served a very diverse membership base for 84 years. And so a lot of our DEI initiatives over those years were all out in our functional business units. So over the last couple years, what we've done is bring them together under one of our strategic pillars. So we really are focusing on how are we best serving the membership. And so we had payday lending alternatives. We had a second chance checking account that's a bank on certified product. So those programs existed, Jason. All we've done is bring that forward to say, when we look at our membership and we're developing programs, products, services, what have you, to keep in mind who are we there to serve. So it's more of that strategic focus on the membership and targeting them with the right products and services. So for us, it wasn't a reallocation of time spent. It was more of how do we realign that strategic focus and how do we raise up that awareness in all of the communities, certainly what's been going on for the last couple years, have heightened the awareness across every market, every organization. So what we try to do is say, how can we better serve the communities and our membership, and how can we strategically think through that, right? And we know by serving that diverse membership, it's really helped us as an organization for 84 years, and it continues to uh, have that same impact. And I think sometimes organizations, uh, including credit unions, overthink what DEI really is, uh, and I've had others reach out to us since we won the Q's Catalyst for Change Award for uh, DEI. <laughs> so uh, others will reach out, and, and, and to your point, they're like, well, what's that strategy? And I'm like, look, you probably already have the products and services. You're already serving diverse members. Is that part of your focus or not? So I, I really think it goes back to what is 
that strategy of that organization. And we have found out by bringing that awareness up within our own organization, we've had employees raise their hand and say, can we serve on that engagement committee? You know, we have some ideas. And so it's even helped us uh, to an extent have employees that before maybe weren't as engaged say, this is important to me. I want to make sure my voice is heard. And certainly we're willing to listen to those employees uh, and then listen to their, you know, ideas. And we know that by having that more, what I should say, maybe inclusive workplace, we're going to earn right. over time that deeper trust and commitment from them. And same thing from a membership perspective. When, when I look at, and I, and I, you know, it's not long ago, I, I sat her on the phone getting lectured by somebody about the fact that I speak English so well that that, that is an example of my white privilege. Well, I had to let the person know, first of all, I'm not white, okay? I am, I, am, I guess, what we refer to as Hispanic or Latin or whatever. And so that kind of put a, mm-hmm. a crimp in that whole argument. Listen, I've got nothing against... Uh, what anybody does to be competitive, to be uh, thoughtful and in, in intentionally engaging their audience of member owners. And obviously, y'all are doing it real well. Like you said, you were the winner of the Q's DEI Catalyst for Change Award. But I, I wanted to ask you about it because it's something that a lot of people have been talking about. It. And sometimes I do have a contrarian view about all of that. I grew up in a military community, and there were not enough boxes in the census department to cover just the kids at sure. the bus stop. Because wherever we sent you know, American soldiers to keep the peace or to fight a war, they married women from those countries. And I remember going through my my bus stop in elementary school, and you wouldn't even know what it was like. I always referred to it as the Star Wars bar scene. We were just, there was no one anything. It was, and none of us cared about it. We just kind of grew up accustomed to seeing these range of variations. So I I, I admit, I can be a little hypersensitive when people start lecturing me about DEI, because I've been a diversity trainer as a corporate trainer, But more importantly, I have lived it my entire life in the military community, serving in the military. But listen, whatever it takes for y'all to be successful, and y'all are doing a great job with your credit union brand. But it was just something I wanted to ask you about. Speaking about credit unions and their competitive advantage, for many years, and like I said, I've been working at credit unions for over 20 years, they've said, Mm -hmm. hey, what makes us better than for-profit banks is that we're better Mm -hmm. stewards of the member owner's money. Is it fair for people like me to ask tough questions about things like the Open Your Eyes campaign, some of these other national branding campaigns that haven't changed the, you know, the market saturation of credit unions? And is it fair to ask about the financial condition of large trade organizations, state and regional leagues? Yes, we ask those questions internally when we're looking at our budget cycle. So. You know, we're looking at, and as you know, there are many great trade organizations out there. There are state leagues, regional leagues. And so for credit unions and the board of directors, leadership teams, need to really thoughtfully consider what are they spending their time on, their energy on, their human capital, and their financial capital on as well. So what what we've always done uh, that has worked well is to say, as we're looking at these memberships in these groups, what is the value that the organization is going to achieve from paying that membership fee or by participating? As you know, some do great work on training. Others have initiatives where they'll help you partner with 
other organizations at discounted rate. Just to say I'm going to write a blank check because I want to be part of these national trade groups does not uh, and has not been part of my strategy, nor has it been Great Lakes. And there are times when we don't participate in uh, becoming a member of some groups because strategically it's just not aligned with our causes or quite honestly, the strategic focus for us for that next fiscal year. I, I will comment, though, on your uh, Open Your Eyes campaign. So we have supported that, and we looked at that as an opportunity, especially in the market we're in, to help drive more awareness of the credit union movement. And you know some of those past national campaigns did not have uh, very good mechanisms to report data back. Um, right. Open Your Eyes does a better job of that and reaches, in our market, a wider audience than we could with our limited marketing dollars. And we have seen that we've gotten some interest from folks that didn't know anything about credit unions that came through the campaign. But as you know, the industry does struggle with that awareness and that identity. Uh, and in the past, I, I would concur with you that some of those programs just have not worked. Open your eyes, at least for us here where we sit, uh, has helped us, and so we have supported that initiative. But again, it's, it, it's fit within that strategy that we were looking at. And let's say it didn't pan out or we didn't get good results. Should we repeat that? We shouldn't. We should look at other ways of doing that. So we look at you know, the league here in Illinois. We look at the trade associations of what's the value that we're getting for the dollars we're investing, just like we would on a marketing spend or any type of, of campaign. And because uh, you bring up a great point, those are not inexpensive investments. And no, we do not. have to and be my, good stewards. And my, right. eyes, and my point about open your eyes is simply this. And I, I, I've had a very uh, up and down history with our friends over at CUNA. But some of my mm -hmm. observations, and this is now into its fifth or sixth year, this precedes the pandemic by a few years. First of all, I think yep. when you tell somebody to open your eyes, it's like, hey, you're not paying attention. Hey, open your eyes. It sounded parenthetical to me. Uh, open your eyes had already been trademarked by the virtual reality company Oculus. Uh, CUNA did not take the time to research that tagline. They didn't take the time to trademark it. And when I've asked questions about CUNA's financial condition, legitimate questions about the, the credit union's largest trade association, they refused to answer those questions. But my biggest, my biggest critique of these national branding campaigns is that it is obvious that your member owners love Great Lakes Credit Union, but they can't be made to love Randolph Brooks Federal Credit Union down here in South Texas. This notion that there is this national movement where people wake up in the morning and instantly think, how can I help credit unions maintain their tax, you know, their tax-free status, I don't believe that exists. And so I think the money is better spent at the local level in Lake County, in the counties that you serve, in the locality that you guys are trying to intentionally engage car and auto and home buyers and borrowers. But this national, this need to nationalize credit unions, it, I have not seen an example where that makes a lot of sense to me. But it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to certain credit unions in certain parts of the country. Right, and I think the uh, your point about the investment nationally, so a lot of the past campaigns pulled resources together and then portions were carved out geographically and some credit unions may or may not sit in those media markets. So right. the nice thing about Open Your Eyes this time for us, 
was that the money raised in Illinois went to the media market in Illinois, so our investment was not being spent uh, in a media market where we don't sit or have members well. participate, which was a problem from some of the past campaigns right. from my prior life at another credit union. I lived through that. And, and I think right. it, it goes back to the point. You have to understand what are you signing up for, what's the value it's bringing back to you, and then how are you going to measure that return to make that decision whether or not that investment is really paying off for you, you know, and your membership. Um, and, and I think we're uh, all, as leaders of credit unions, uh, identifying what are those opportunities when we're looking at the budgeting cycle on how best to spend, uh, you know, the resources that we have. And like anything else, I look at it as prudent management, and you should understand what's going into your budget and how it's going to help move your strategies forward. And for some, it may work. And for others, certainly it may not work. We're visiting with the presidency of Great Lake Credit Union. His name is Stephen Bug. Stephen, if you could get every single credit union professional in a room, and the question was placed to you, what are credit unions doing well, and what can they do better? How would you answer that? Great question, and uh, I think you know our last conversation just touched on it a little bit. Opportunity certainly to set the industry apart because uh, folks certainly don't know the value that credit unions bring. And we even get that question from existing members, and that's a challenge because you would think somebody that's joined your credit union would understand that value. And so as we've started to peel back the layers, right, it's more than competitive rates and fees and products because every institution can say that. Every institution can say that they also have uh, digital, online, mobile, they mm -hmm. have great service. So you have to really focus on what are those attributes that are different that you can market on and then how do you develop that story that ties in the value that credit unions bring back. I do not think overall as an industry that we do a very good job of telling our story. And the story is unique and different for each organization, although yes, we may all share that credit union name and umbrella. But it goes back to my point that some institutions, credit unions will say, they really live that people helping people philosophy and that mission-based work. But then when I look, I don't see that. Right? So right. I think if you're saying that you really live that mission's work, you've got to be able to prove and produce it, but then you've got to tell your story as well. And I think the challenge is telling that story for institutions and developing how you are different other than the products, the services, and certainly just the member service side. And But I put that back on the leadership of each institution. So we here have to develop what that story is, communicate that story out, and tell our unique difference. Uh, and we've been drilling into that and working through that. The other uh, opportunity is the technology investment and staying relevant not only to members today, but in the future as well. And the struggle, I think, is for most institutions that are not your multi-billion dollar institutions, struggle with where do you get that money to invest back into your business model. Technology is not cheap. And no, then how do you look to stay relevant online, mobile, fintech? So there are opportunities. So some state chartered credit unions, we're one of them in Illinois, are prohibited from directly investing in a fintech. 
So the only way we can invest is through a QSO, whereas uh, if you're sitting in another state, you can invest right. perhaps directly with that fintech. So I think part of building up that regulatory story state by state and federally is very important because why should we not be able to do that when another credit union uh, right across the state border can do that? So as we look at what are those investments, Regulatory-wise, how do we update the operating model of the industry to put us on more of that competitive landscape as uh, you know others are? Now, I get it. Some credit unions, multi-billion, they have the dollars they can invest in different things as well. But technology uh, certainly, you know, is a challenge for a lot of institutions. And then also, it's well, how do you make that happen? A lot of us don't have all that staff, so you have to look at partners through QSOs and other organizations. And I think uh, one of the, the bigger challenges is field of membership. So if you look at field of membership and you look at uh, the model that currently is in place, it's a challenge for uh, credit unions because we know a lot of our members today are very, very mobile much different than they were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So it's, again, that advocacy and working on getting some of these outdated rules and regulations uh, to be caught up more to the current century that does help us then compete head-on with those folks that are right in our own backyard. And then well, I'll tell you this, when, when well. I've had a CEO on, on the show, if I could say there was one thing that every single CEO from every single state that we've had on for 12 years, they've talked <laughs> about just what you talk about, that regulatory <laughs> changes. There's some of those 20th right. century holdovers that are impacting the ability, especially right now uh, after COVID-19, there's a, there's a mass migration occurring, as there always is after these big cataclysmic events in American history. People are moving to different parts of the country. I didn't mean to cut you off. You were, you were talking about product development. Yeah, and, and I think that just the, the other comment, it, it's the enhancements of products and services, and it goes back to the investment in technology. So with overlays for artificial intelligence, machine learning, that can help us compete and decision our, our lending opportunities much quicker and, and compete with a lot of the larger banks. Again, it's that investment side, and then how do you invest? Where do you get that funding to do that? So I think there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of credit unions do it really, really well, but there's opportunities for the industry to move forward and using AI and ML really to help better serve the members and give them the opportunities to bank with a credit union. Uh, you know, there's opportunities on the lending side, on the deposit side, even on the investment side. We want to maintain that relevancy and we want to continue to improve that product offering. I think, again, I think y'all are doing a great job. I encourage everyone to get out there and visit the website. Hey, before we get out here, we'd like to ask our guests just some just some fun questions. You mentioned telecom and 15 years in credit unions. Had you not <laughs> gone into telecom or finance? Is there another career field that you might have gone into that intrigued you or interested you when you were younger? Yeah, so, so I would say, interestingly, when I first went to college, I went to college to be a dentist. Uh, that didn't last oh. very long, right? <laughs> so I, I do think, though, if I didn't pick telecommunications or financial services, probably like teaching, mentoring, coaching, mm. uh, I, I enjoy those things. So that's probably where I would have uh, ended up, Jason.
And of course, you can get great auto loan rates at Great Lakes Credit Union. I asked Stephen about his first car. He told me it was a 1980s era Ford Mustang. He had already told me that his musical genre, it, it, pretty much anything but country. That's why I think he and I might be related. That's how I would answer that question. And then I asked him, was there a television show or a movie or a series that you discovered during the pandemic that you might not have discovered otherwise, since we were all spending so much more time on the streaming services? Yeah, I, I would say uh, uh, quite a few, but more recently, uh, my wife and I discovered Yellowstone, so we've been watching oh, yeah. uh, kind of Yellowstone, and then we went off to the spinoff on 1883, so now yes, we're waiting yes. every week for 1883 to stream their, 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 new, uh, their new program on, right? So Yellowstone 1883 is the, the current uh, bug household uh, TV uh, show. Yes, it, it is. It is. That, that show made it into our rotation as well and because nice. the uh, Oregon Trail and the Westward Movement manifest destiny, oh you daughters of the West, the great Walt Whitman poem oh pioneers, I love that period of American history and so I'm waiting for that first season to be finished so I can just binge it when I get a moment here later in the later in the spring but I'm really looking forward to it. As I was looking forward to our conversation I want to thank you so much and congratulate you and your brand and I want to wish you and your team continued prosperity in everything you're doing for your member owners. And on behalf of everyone here, thank you so very kindly for joining us on the Power Performance Podcast. Thanks so much, Jason. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, great job. Great job. of the world falling in they beat for us with the westward movement beat holding single or together steady moving to the front all of us pioneers oh pioneers and of course that by the great american poet walt whitman friends after covid19 we are all pioneers we have moved into a new world we are moving into a new world. Cryptocurrency, the rumor, has become the reality. You heard Stephen talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning. It is time for you to decide if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a pioneer, or if you're going to get left behind. Well, Great Lakes Credit Union has staking its claim being a next-generation financial brand, and it was just so great getting to know Stephen and more about the credit union. Uh, my only complaint is that after Stephen talked about that easy-listening rock, I'm, I'm probably going to need a home equity loan to pay for all the downloads <laughs> ever since he said that. I've been downloading so many. You, just, you start down that rabbit hole, and there's so many great songs, and I, I did. I grew up loving that genre. There was a, a it's going to sound crazy, to young people, there was an AM radio station that played that after a certain hour, after all the top 40 stuff. And many a night in my youth, I would drift off to sleep to those classic 70s and 80s easy listening rock songs. So we'll get out of here with one of them. My name is Jason Dyes. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast. A little bit, little bit longer show today, but the conversation was really good with Stephen. Thank you so much for listening. And until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.
everybody now.